A mother is something to be treasured. That's what we talk about today. Well, welcome to another podcast here with Steve and Eddie. And today it's just us. We're glad that you've joined us and we hope that you'll have a great time listening in on the content and um, just some more relevant stuff, whether it's about mothers or maybe their sons. (laughs) Anyway, we're really glad that you're here. Hi, Eddie. Good to see you. Steve. Well, how are things going? Well, they're going. It's nice and warm out. I've not heard anybody complain about being cold today. Some might even say it's steamy. It is steamy. Yeah, steamy. It's it's already, it's not even past noon yet, and uh, it is steamy. Yeah, it's a little bit of a challenge with bragging on the mother of my (laughs) children. uh, She got out this morning and did the trimming at my house with the mower. Did she? And I figure she'll mow the whole yard, and I really appreciate that. Man, I tell you what. Um, I think uh, I think that's all right. Yeah, I think it is too. I'm, <laughs> I'm not complaining. I'm happy about it. Uh, well, I tell you, some uh, as we we think about the weather and the change the way that it did, uh, those old, the grass, the asparagus, and some of the mushrooms that are still left are going to be just growing like crazy. Yeah, I think. they are. Uh, these. This uh, soppy, wet weather, and then the cold humidity. Uh, yeah, and now, boom! Everything that wants to grow, I think, is going to start doing it. So uh, that's for sure. So we feel your pain out there. If you're feeling like you need to mow today, so we get it. I just mowed, and I feel like man, it's not going to be much of a turnaround, especially with this hot weather. It's going to be popping up like yeah, daisies. Fast. So yeah, it's good to pity the person that fertilizes their yard (laughs) there are people that do that yes 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 i'm not one of them i've never fertilized my grass i i don't either now i've i now i've done it before but that was when i was trying to get it to bounce back i think there was some scorching or something that went on but um yeah it it uh it can be a challenge at times for sure well it is good to to get right into this and and the talking of Mother's Day and what you spoke on. And um, so I'd like to just have a word of prayer and get us right into it. And uh, let's just do that now. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for being so relevant in our lives. And you know, no matter our story, no matter what is out there, um, who our mother uh, is, uh, was, or if we don't even know our mother. Lord, I I pray that you would embrace us today with your love. Remind us of the joy that we have in you. Uh, our God, the one that comp- encompasses us with your love. And uh, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move forward into this time and uh, lead us in the way that we talk on this podcast May you uh, be so relevant in what we have to say so that it will touch lives as they listen to this. We love you, Lord. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, I didn't mention this scripture, but when you was praying it, it reminded me of, of Jesus when he, he stood and wept over Jerusalem. And he said, oh, I would long to gather you <laughs> under my wings 
like a mother hen does her chicks. Mm. So he, Christ had that, you know, we talk about love. We had that, he had that mother's love. I, you know, like I said, I, uh, I love my kids and I know you do as well, but there's just some, there's a connection between mothers and children that we don't have because they carried them. Yeah. They were hooked to them in that umbilical cord. So, That's right. And I, I wrote, you know, the title of the message was the mother's the epitome of selflessness. And I, I think a, a lot of selflessness is missing in the world. And, you know, that's what God has called us to be and to do. But I think we see it modeled more and more, you know, every day in mothers. Um, selflessness as a noun means concern more with the needs and wishes of others than one's own. Mm. You know, and that mm-hmm. really defines the follower of Christ as well. The epitome means a person or thing that is in a perfect a perfect example of a particular quality or type. So when we think about that, we take a we think about moms being that. And then we, we talked about three moms, Jochebed, Hannah, and Mary, and um, in this message. Um, Jochebed, of course, was Moses' mother, um, and you try to put yourself in her position and uh, what she was going through when she took that baby because she knew the only way to save him life, his life was to put him on the river. But I don't know what she, what she thought would happen because who was going to take care of him in the point, but it, it's the fact is she trusted God and God took care of her. Yeah, that that uh, faith, a step of faith, a huge you know, step of faith. Because, <laughs> as we know, even when the story's been told to us in Sunday school when we were children, you know they described the my Sunday school teacher would say, "Can you imagine letting this baby, innocent, just couldn't do anything for himself?" No, and. And, and pushing it out into the water with the different uh, creatures, the reptiles, the different things. Well, there things. was crocodiles in yeah. the Nile River. That's right. what I was thinking about. I'm thinking, good gravy, man. You know, but the faith in that, being led to do it, understanding that uh, God was pressing yeah. into her heart. He had to have been. Had to have been. And that... That I think right there is is such a uh, self, just like you said, selfless um, recognition of saying, "Lord, for Your glory, for Your glory, I'm going to let go." Well, and in the scheme of things, you see, with Miriam standing there and say, "Hey, I know a Hebrew lady that can nurse that child," so she took him, nursed him till they weaned him and took him back to the princess, and he went into the palace and lived a opulent life as a prince <laughs> yeah. but that wasn't the, the whole the whole point the reason was he was going to lead God's children out of his, out of Egypt, Egypt yeah. that was his yeah. that was his opus that was his main thrust in life yeah yeah Moses Moses uh, <laughs> getting a chance to to be a part of that. I mean, talk about a, a stepping stone or a setting of the stage. Well, I, I think, believe, I, maybe I'm wrong on this, but I think he spent like 40 years in Midian in the desert herding sheep for God's yeah. his training ground. Yeah. He was in school, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, after, yeah, right after all the, all the 
posh stuff, you know. Yeah, the, the, he went from that to that. But like the today, I don't know if you know this word or not. The, the word that's being used instead of posh is bougie. Bougie? Yeah. Have you ever heard of that? No. Yeah. If I wonder if it, that's like bo- the bourgeoisie. I think it is in Europe. I think it's along the lines of bourgeoisie. These were kind of the bougie. better the second. It was like middle class, but it was the higher middle class. Yes. It wasn't the aristocratic. Aristocratic. Right. Aristocratic. Aristocracy. That's there you the word go. I'm there, sure, but sure, yeah, sure. it wasn't. But uh, bougie. Yeah, bougie. You hear kids say that? Oh, they're all the time. So it's it's got to be along the lines. Yes. Yeah. The bougie. Yeah. If, if you're if you're bougie, you've got your kind of the high life. You're kind of <laughs> you're kind of living it, and so they use that as a slang term if somebody's kicked back with they're seeing it. You know, kind of living in a little bit of wealth or a little living, but they'll use it in different terms to, to like uh, uh, last night we were at the at the WIC track meet for the girls and I'm the pole vault coach if the listeners didn't know I'm the pole vault coach for both the girls and the guys at the high school well over the 22 years that I've been the coach here I have created a little bit of a scenario or not scenario but a a little bit of a um, a place for them to chill out, to relax, to yeah. be able to to be on their best. And so last night, with that heat coming in, I took my big uh, beach umbrella yeah. that are used at these track meets. That you know you can you can they cover a good four to five people in there. Anyway, I've got two purple chairs and and sitting there. And I and I said, well, girls, I said we're the only one underneath this umbrella. Uh, uh, underneath these umbrellas, we're the only one that has an umbrella. I said, "You guys will be at least cool, you know." And and uh, one of the girls goes, "Yeah, well, I'm feeling bougie. Uh, just got a little Is that bougie. What she said? Yeah, <laughs> we're bougie or something, you know." And so uh, anyway, there. I don't mean to digress, although we have. But yes, bougie, posh. Here's Moses, right? And so uh, living this life, and then he lives in the desert, you know, training well, ground. I reckon, and you see. Even when we were in Israel in 18, we saw some of those tents, the Bedouins and goat skin and whatever. And it sure wouldn't be like the palace. <laughs> Not at Imagine all. Imagine how hot that'd be. Oh, oh baby! My goodness, that's a that's a totally well. We know life. then that God Moses that Moses, and when God called him, he made a bunch of excuses. Man, Lord. I can't talk and whatever. He said, well, I'll send Brother Aaron with you, and he'll do the talking for you. He, he always had a way to, uh, to do that, and he showed his power through that staff. But, That's right. Uh, and in the second story was, was about Hannah, um, who it talks about Penaniah, or a husband named Elkanah had two wives, Penaniah and Hannah, and Penaniah had children, and Hannah did not, and so she held that over her head and harassed her and whatever. Uh, the classic answer uh, that the husband Elkanah asked in, in uh, this is in First uh, Samuel chapter one verses one through twenty-seven, but one, uh, verse eight: Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. <laughs> Isn't that better than having ten sons? No. Okay. Oh boy, wow. yeah. That that would open up a, that would open up a well, can of worms. Well, Stacy. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. You, you don't, don't need to be worried about that. You've got me. 
You're in such oh, bouginess man. right now. That uh, <laughs> Tom Tom Petty had a song, uh, and he said, "You got lucky, baby, when I found you." <laughs> and that was I, I've sent that to Diane before, just to harass her. <laughs> that song. Yeah. You got lucky, baby, and I found uh, you. Yeah. You know, so that and that's kind of he he wasn't thinking about his wife's feelings or anything else there, but the story goes on the. She uh, went to the temple, and Eli was the high priest. And she was weeping, and he wasn't a very—he didn't, he didn't have a compassionate heart. He thought she was drunk, and then finally he understood. <laughs> she she promised God that if she had a son, she'd give him back. So, uh, as the as the scripture goes on, uh, she had Samuel. Uh, she weaned him, and then took him and turned him over uh, to Eli in the temple. I I can't. Have, I and you think about her. For the fact that she weaned this child, and two to, between two to five years old is pretty much a weaning time, and to take him to that cold, I guess to me it would be a cold, dark place, and and give him to that to Eli, and it talks. The scripture goes on, talks about him when he's in bed. God was speaking to him. He heard God's voice, and he thought it was Eli. So we went and woke Eli up and whatever. But you know, that's what I said Sunday in jest that. Uh, you you parents, it's got a two to five year old. Can you imagine him bringing him here to Crossroads and letting me raise him? <laughs> that, that that made the hair of their on the back of their neck stand up. <laughs> to think about that, I just yeah. it's just uh, think about it from that child's perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would have been scared to death. I would have thought, but mm-hmm. maybe not. And of course, the last example was Mary, and who can even imagine? When Simeon the prophet said, you know, a sword will push your very own soul. And he's going to cause trouble in Israel and there'll be many that will be against him. And that was the whole point. So, man, you don't want to hear that about your child. No, no, not at all. But what a, the faith of these three mothers was just incredible. But, you know, and then the fact that she had to go through and witness uh, the beatings and I don't know, you know, there in the, the Passion of Christ, it shows her standing there and um, at the cross when they, she had blood, his blood was on her. Uh, and it was, uh, it's just about too much to take, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and you know, the, the, and then she heard her son say, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and yourself are lost or destroyed? So that's... And you know, that's, that's the, uh, that is truly the epitome of then, therefore, the selflessness. Yeah. Because as we look at that and really see, you know, here's here's Mary, the example of Mary. Here's mother, here's the mother of Jesus, and she had she knew about the disciples. She was amongst all of the followers. She was they were around her. They knew who she was. Yeah. And then her son is dying on the cross, and there wasn't hardly anyone around her. John. John. That was it. That's it. Of all of the ones that followed. <laughs> I know. John was it. Standing there with her. 
Well, and, and, and you could see why the scripture said that. John, the disciple that Jesus loved, mm-hmm. he loved them all, but I think he was he was probably closer to John than than anybody. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, you know, as we look at at that and we think about the example of a mother and the selflessness, when we see that, even coming out of just a a connection and standing by your child and working through these situations of their life, dealing with certain areas of even failure at times, but recognizing I'm going to stand here. And, and those then those godly mothers that say, I'm standing yeah. here in the gap for you, processing this and, and allowing my obedience to God to say, Lord, for your glory, work in my child. Yeah. And so, therefore, you know, when we look at when we look at all of that, and we know that obedience has to be um, a, a part of all of this, just as you've said in that scripture there that you've just stated, the epitome is for God's glory, for His uh, for His compassion to flow through. And wow, um, we see it in mothers, and we uh, more times than not. Now I know there's no perfect mother, and there are mothers that have failed. And it's tough. And you might be listening to this right now where you're dealing with the way that you were treated, the way that your mother maybe even have has possibly abandoned you. That right there uh, is we cannot look beyond that and not and just say, Oh well, you know, now we're we're just talking about this subject of mothers being selfless, you know. Yeah. But when we think about the selfish side of humanity and and uh, maybe even at times we feel I guarantee you um, there's a very, very small percentage of those mothers that have abandoned yeah. that that would have ever not felt anything. That would be such a small, small. Yeah. And so recognizing and working through um, the challenge in, in that, allowing the Holy Spirit, allowing God to bathe your soul each and every day. You have to do it. Allow the spirits to work through. Allow other counselors, like Christian counselors, to work in and to talk through you through the truths that we have, reminding you that um, God is on your side and that you can build your life on a firm foundation. Well, I, that uh, a sense of abandonment affects you. I think your whole life, and that's what happened uh, when my mom passed when I was eight. Uh, I felt a sense of abandonment, and then my dad, he, he, didn't, he didn't do so good for a year or so. So I, in, a, in a sense, I lost both parents at the same time mm. in that degree. Mm. So I understand that sense of abandonment. And the problem is you, you, there's a hole there that you try to fill. Uh, and as a kid, I did it by being ornery. <laughs> I guess in a sense, wanting attention. Uh, and then when I met my wife, um, I wanted her to be my mom. Right, in a lot of that ways. That don't work. Right, 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 right. So, but there's know, that. Yeah, there's that. Those areas that that's but, hard to work through. And, and only God over. can fill that. That's hole. exactly right. Yeah. That's it. Only God. I didn't realize it till I came to Christ, and then He He filled that hole. Mm-hmm. Oh, still, you you know, um, we we talk about this a lot, but there are events and tragedies and things that uh, happen in life you don't ever get over you have to learn to live with it and the only way you can live with it is in the power of the holy spirit yeah so yeah 
that's where we're at and we're <laughs> it's kind of you know it's funny the way the holy spirit takes you in different ways but uh, this title a message is coming up who you call him fool oh yeah so, <laughs> it's it's the last it's the last message i'm gonna do in ecclesiastes well so, you know you know who comes to mind yeah i'm not saying okay. i'm not gonna say any well, names well I'm, I'm gonna say, i'm gonna say not not the fool the 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 the, the quote but the quote just immediately comes to my mind. Now, can I share who I sure. think? Well, Mr. T. Mr. T. <laughs> Mr. T on AT. Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. Uh, what is it? <laughs> What's this TV show called? Well, uh, uh, the A Team. A Team. Thank you. But then there was a little kid, that little black kid. Oh, that would say what you're talking about. Did he say that too? I don't think so. Remember him? I don't. Yeah, I think he what just you talking about. He, what talking you talking about, about, Willis? Yeah. Yeah, that was. Um, Oh, for the love of Pete! What is growing that? pains? Or yeah, what's his one? Well, no, what's his name? I can't remember. Anyway, okay. Well, and that, that kind of this is what he he's going in, into um, concerning fools and name calling. That's what we're going to be talking about, especially within the body of Christ. In our day of diplomacy, straight talk is rare. Many people would rather uh, would rather communicate. And promote half truths and communicate the hard facts in a in a loving way. You don't see that. Um, there is a lot of soft peddling, but the word of God is different. Which, when it portrays truth, it never glosses over um, or leaves out blemishes, scars, or other imperfections in us. It paints it just like it is. Yeah. It paints it just like it is. He doesn't, and he doesn't flatter us. He tells us the truth. You know, um, uh, this is, Ecclesiastes is, is the passage, but I'm I'm going to first go to Matthew, and uh, this is how God does stuff. This morning in men's group, it was on on our words, and out of that lesson, it said words can be weapons to wound, medicine to heal a messenger to convey good news, or an instrument to play a happy tune. In the words of Christ are words of great instruction on how to live as his follower and represent him and representative while on this earth. They're not to be taken lightly. Right. Why? Because he loves us and he, he wants the best for us. So, it's strong language. A lot of scripture is strong, strong language and it's meant to be. Uh, this is in, um, in Matthew... Um, I'll find it. It's in Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 22. It's from the Sermon on the Mount. But if I say if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. Now, that's a New Living Translation. Here's, here's the New International Version. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with this brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. That's pretty strong language. Raka or Raka meant aim and empty and worthless. The Jews used that for uh, a term of contempt and it meant to spit. So they'd spit mm. when they'd say that. But Christ talked, you know, he talked about anger and, and how... Uh, if you let that go that it could even eventually turn into murder and how terrible that is you know so um, then then I'm going to 
among the many things these books say about unwise people, the Proverbs, I'm going to go in Proverbs and Psalm first. Um, these facts, uh, these facts stand out. One's the language in a fool's heart, the bent of the fool's will, and then, uh, and then we get in. There's a couple of facts that it gives gives uh, about fools, and in Ecclesiastes 10:12 through 20, I'm not going to read that. So if you're listening and uh, you want to know, you can read that. Ecclesiastes 10:12 through 20. Here's five ways that fools act foolish. Their harmful verbosity, what they say. Two, their unpredictable future. Three, their confusion and stupidity. Four, their destructive leadership. And we all know sometimes when fools are in charge, what happens. And then five, I'm not missing any names. I'm not going out of <laughs> Their procrastination and poor judgment. And then I'm going to end up with a warning, a criticism, and confidentiality. Here's, here's some tips, uh, actually three steps to deal with a fool, because it, it, it all goes down to the very beginning of that. The fool has said there is in his heart there is no god mm-hmm. that's how you know they're a fool yeah yeah that, i mean that they're foolish because they're giving up eternity they're going to burn in hell yeah because they don't believe that yeah that like, you can't soft soap that or make it not so harsh it is what it is right and in, you know and solomon's given us some advice on how to deal with a fool Step one, if there is continued folly, isolation is the most effective treatment. If you're with somebody and you're witnessing and try and they finally get to the point where you realize it's not making any difference, you need to distance themselves from it. Yeah. Step two, if there is true repentance and brokenness, restoration is appropriate. If you see a change in their life, if Christ, if they do or have accepted Christ and you see that change you restore them to fellowship and in three when there is restoration from folly let there be proclamation tell people about it yes mm-hmm. we need to hear testimony from previous fools every day show of hands of former fools who Christ has changed their lives and made them wise I'm going to raise my hand I was a fool you know and that's kind of that's kind of where we're going on that. Mm-hmm. I mean we need to hear those testimonies of people that have been brought out of their foolishness uh, into a life with Christ. That's right. Amen. And rest assured, listeners, I'm not going to mention any first names. Phew, that's good. So uh, I'm not going to go down that road. <laughs> but anyhow, you kind of get the drift. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I would say that we might not call them that, and hopefully you don't call them that to their face or whatever, but uh, I think we encounter fools every day. Yeah, we do. Absolutely. And you can tell by these what's coming out of their lives. Right. And so that it's our choice, then what do we do with that knowledge as we see someone being foolish? What do we do? Do we chastise them? Do we we, uh, smack them around in our mind and put them into a certain category, or do we pray? We pray and have compassion on them because we know the end result if they, if they keep continuing down this road. Mm-hmm. So, Amen. Pastor, would you pray for us? Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for moms. I pray, Lord, that uh, uh, the moms that, uh, that hear this were blessed on Sunday or sometimes during the week that their children reached out to them and shared their love 
and uh, I just pray that most of them didn't have to cook. <laughs> so uh, the people, took, their family took care of them. And Lord, as we think about this message, it could probably seem harsh to some folks, but uh, sometimes the scripture uh, cuts right to the quick, as Timothy said. Uh, it's like a two-edged sword that we either take it or we leave it, or we believe it or we reject it. And I just pray, God, that we take it to heart, that we ponder it, uh, that we pray about it, and we see how it applies to our lives. Thanks for this time, Lord. We just give you praise and glory for who you are. We ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you. And, uh, Pastor, we are glad that you are here with us here today and that we are having a chance to speak on over these things. Um, we do uh, hope that you mothers are blessed. And, and as you continue to go through the ins and outs of your everyday with your family, with your children, that you'll be encouraged to continue to look into the word of the Lord to get your motivation and your strength and to be reminded of the priceless treasure that you are. Well, God bless you and thank you for joining us here today. And until next week, we'll say goodbye for now. Stay nice and cool if you yep, can. Absolutely. And uh, we will again see you next week. Thank you and bye-bye.